0: And welcome to the Amazing Bible. Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If, by chance, you want to contact me, you can do that at vab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today, we are looking at Judges chapters 1 through 3. This is the second book of history in the Old Testament, and the story continues after Joshua. So far in the Bible, we have the five books of Moses, also called the Pentateuch, which means five scrolls. Genesis means beginnings, and it has the creation story, how humanity was created male and female, and how they first sinned against the holy God. And that sinful nature has now entered humanity through the seed of Adam, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, in the punishment of the first sin, we get the first glimpse of the Gospel, which some people call the proto Evangelium, when the Lord God told the serpent, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This predicts a man will come and crush the serpent, or, as Revelation chapter twelve verse nine calls the ancient serpent, Satan or the devil. For Christians, we believe this man was Jesus, who was from the woman, Mary. That is why the virgin birth is so important. Jesus was fully human, but he was not born from the man's sinful seed. He was born from God, and he was also fully God. When Jesus was crucified on the cross for our sin, he was bruised by Satan. But when Jesus arose from the grave, Satan was crushed by Jesus. This promise was one of the reasons why women having children became such a big deal in the Bible. And when a woman was barren, it was devastating for them. Adam and Eve's third son, Seth, was the line which Noah came from. And Noah's son Shem, where the word Semitic is derived from, was the line that Abram came. Abram and Sarah, his wife, were barren. But God made a covenant with Abram that they would be blessed with a son Isaac. Abram, whose name the Lord changed to Abraham, fell down and laughed when he heard that because they were well advanced in years. Genesis 17, verse 17. And when Sarai, whose name was changed to Sarah by the Lord, heard the news, she also laughed. Genesis eighteen twelve. But God did a miracle through them. And the promised son came and they named him Isaac, which means he laughed. When Isaac grew up, he married Rebekah, and she too was barren for 20 years. Genesis 25, verse 19, and then verse 26. But Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, and she became pregnant with twins. Genesis chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. They had Jacob and Esau. It was through Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who due to trickery And the issue of barrenness had two wives who were sisters, Leah and Rachel, plus two surrogate wives, Bilhah and Zilpah, and through these four women came twelve sons who became the twelve tribes of Israel. It was through Rachel, the loved wife, that Joseph was born and the Lord sent him ahead through difficult circumstances to Egypt because a famine was coming that would affect the entire region. Joseph became second in command in Egypt because the Lord blessed him with wisdom to understand dreams and to know how to store food for the people. The famine came and this brought Jacob and his whole family, 70, including Joseph, Exodus chapter 1, verse 5, to leave the promised land and to go to Egypt. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 says, Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Exodus 12, verse 40 tells us the length of time the Israelites lived in Egypt was 430 years. The Jews had increased greatly, and the new king was fearful, so they were enslaved. They cried out to the Lord, and he raised up Moses and his brother Aaron, who were from the tribe of Levi, whose mother was Leah, the unloved wife of Jacob. Through the ten plagues, the last being the death of the firstborn son, if they did not put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost. Pharaoh then let the Israelites go. They exited Egypt and crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground because the Lord, through Moses, parted it. Exodus begins with the Jews in Egypt and ends at Mount Sinai with God giving them the Ten Commandments, chapter 20, plus other words. The people commit three times to this covenant with the Lord and said, We will do everything the Lord has said. Chapter 19, verse 8, chapter 24, verse 3, and then chapter 24, verse 7. It is like a marriage covenant. But it only took them 40 days while Moses was up on the mountain for them to have Aaron make a golden calf, and they began to worship it, Exodus chapter 32. When Moses came down, he actually threw down the Ten Commandments and broke them, which was a picture of the brokenness of the covenant. Yet that was not the end. The Lord is always about reconciliation. Moses was given instructions on how to build the tabernacle, the place where God dwelt with them, and they did. And in chapter 34, Moses went back up the mount and received new stone tablets. Exodus ends with setting up the tabernacle just as the Lord directed, and the glory of the Lord covered the tent of meeting. Leviticus starts and ends at Mount Sinai. The Lord explained how to approach him and how to worship him. The Lord is holy. And since humanity is sinful, we needed a way of atonement, a covering, or a way to be at one with the Lord. And that came through the sacrifice of blood. In Leviticus, that is done through various offerings and sacrifices. But ultimately, atonement is fulfilled in the blood of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross once for all. Romans chapter 6 verse 10, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 27, and 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. Since the Lord is holy, we as his people are to be holy. And that is why the Lord gave laws for his people to follow. Also in Leviticus, we see the role of the Levites, whom the Lord chose to be the mediator between the Jews and the Lord. And the high priest and the priests were to be descendants of Aaron, Moses' brother. The Levites were responsible for the tabernacle. Leviticus is a unique book because most of it is direct words from the Lord. One thing Dr. Betts said in Old Testament class, the Jews never had to guess what their God was like or what they were to do to please him. He told them, unlike the other religions of the world. Numbers begins at Mount Sinai at the second year after the Jews came out of Egypt. They were told to take a census and the total number was 603,550 men. Numbers chapter one, verse 46. They were given instructions on how to stay together on their way to the promised land. They were to follow the Spirit of the Lord in the cloud of day and the pillar of fire at night. On their way, there were various issues. And when they arrived, Moses sent out 12 men, one from each tribe, to inspect the land. Only two believed the Lord would allow them to conquer it, Caleb and Joshua, The other ten were overwhelmed by the walled cities and the giants in the land. Their disbelief spread to all the people, and the Lord did not allow them to enter. They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation died off. Caleb and Joshua, however, were the only two who were allowed to enter the promised land 40 years later. Numbers ends with the people on the east side of the Jordan River, across from Jericho, with the second generation of Jews about to enter. With the second census in chapter 26, we find in verse 51, the total number of men of Israel was 601,730. The second generation had taken some of the land on the east side of the Jordan River, and they were preparing to enter the promised land. Deuteronomy begins and ends on the east side of the Jordan River across from Jericho and these are mainly Moses' last words to the people. There is a second giving of the law in chapter 5 to this second generation of Jews. Moses and Aaron were not allowed to enter the promised land because of their sin moses had learned that joshua would be the next leader of the people so he wanted to make sure the people would faithfully observe the ways of the lord he stressed they should only worship at the tabernacle and only serve the lord the god of the israelites he had them renew their covenant with the lord chapter 30 verses 15 and 16 say see i set before you today life and prosperity death and destruction for I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his commands decrees and laws then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess Moses presented Joshua as the new leader he led the people in a song to remember their commitment and the judgments that come with their disobedience He blessed them and then the Lord allowed Moses to climb Mount Pisgah and look at the promised land. And then he died and the Lord buried him and no one knows where. That ends the books of Moses. Now the book of history begins with Joshua on the east side of the Jordan River across from Jericho. The land on the east side were allocated by Moses to Reuben, Gad and half tribe of Manasseh. Yet they committed to help the rest of the Jews to take the promised land. The first city taken was Jericho. When the Israelites obeyed, the Lord was with them, and they succeeded in their conquest. When they disobeyed, they lost. The book covers the taking of the land and the kings they defeated, and then the allotment of the land to the nine and a half tribes. We also learn the Jews did not take all the land that the Lord had promised them, and there were still pagan cultures living with them, which becomes a problem. The Levites were not given land, but cities and pasture lands, because the Lord was their portion, since they had the responsibility of taking care of the tabernacle. The Lord set Shiloh as the place of worship, which was centrally located. But still, it was a day's journey for many people. Joshua called all the people to come to Shechem, the place where the Lord spoke to both Abraham and Jacob, and Jacob even bought some land there years ago. Joshua called the people to renew their commitment to the Lord. We learn in chapter 24, verse 2, that the new leadership consisted of elders, leaders, judges, and officials. He told the people to be strong and careful to obey the Lord. Three times the people said, we will serve the Lord. Chapter 24, verses 18, 21, and 24. Joshua died. Aaron's son Eleazar, the high priest, died. And now Judges starts with the question, who will be the first to go up and fight for us against the Canaanites? In other words, who is our leader now? In chapter 1, verse 2, the tribe of Judah was chosen by the Lord. And verse 8 tells us Judah attacked Jerusalem and took it. Verse 16 tells us the descendants of Moses' father-in-law, the Kenite, went up from the city of Palms with the men of Judah to live among the people of the desert of Judah in the Negev near Arad. I want to remind you that the Jews always had aliens that lived among them or foreigners that lived among them. But in order for them to do so, they were to accept the Lord as their God. Rahab is another person that was brought into the camp because of her faith. Now, I was surprised at verse 18 because I had thought that the Jews had never captured the Gaza Strip, but I was wrong. Verse 18 says, The men of Judah also took Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ekron, each city with its territory. In all of my biblical maps, it never covers the Gaza Strip, even though it was included in what the Lord said they should take. But according to my ESV study Bible, quote, Judah captured three of the major Philistine cities, but was not able to hold them. They later reverted to Philistine control, end of quote. And then it referenced Judges 14 verse 19 Judges 16 verse 1 and 1 Samuel chapter 5 verse 10. This must be why the maps didn't show Israel is taking them. We also see in chapter 1 that many of the tribes never completely drove out the inhabitants of the land. We learn in chapter 2 of Judges that because they did not, these people with their gods would be a snare to the Israelites, which is what the whole book of Judges is about. Starting with verse six, there is a bit of review of their history. And then my husband preached on verse 10 a couple of weeks ago. And this verse has just stuck with me. Quote, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. My question is how? Since they did not know the Lord, they sinned and did evil in the eyes of the Lord which led to great distress which brought them to cry out which brought the Lord to hear their cry and then the Lord raised up a judge who saved them and as long as the judge lived there was peace and then after the judge died the whole cycle starts over again. It says the Israelites served other gods intermarried with people of other religions. And then the rest of chapter three tells us of three judges. Othniel was from the tribe of Judah. The oppressors were the Mesopotamians for eight years. After Othniel won the battle, they had rest for 40 years. Now, Othniel was Caleb's younger brother. And even though he was from the tribe of Judah, in Numbers chapter 32 verse 12 and Joshua chapter 14 verse 6, it says his father was a Kenizzite, which was also mentioned during the time of the patriarchs. It is believed that they were absorbed into the tribe of Judah. Ahud was from the tribe of Benjamin. The oppressors were the Moabites. The period of oppression was 18 years, and then after the fight, they had 80 years of rest. Shamgar only has one sentence, from which we learn that he killed 600 Philistines and saved Israel. According to my ESV study Bible, it said that, quote, His name is apparently Hurrian, not Israelite, and his designation as son of Anath, probably refers to the Canaanite warrior goddess Anath if so then it is ironic that God used a non-Israelite warrior to deliver Israel from its enemies my first thought is is it really ironic the Old Testament is full of people who recognize that the God of Israel is like no other God and they wanted to be included by faith into the fold. So my question for you to ponder is why do you think this generation neither knew God or what he had done for the Israelites? I understand why a Pharaoh would not know about Joseph because why would he want to know about a foreigner that saved the day? Why would he want to acknowledge that there is a God that overpowered every God of the Egyptians? He wanted to forget, but what about the Jews? Did the busyness of life get in the way of sharing their story of faith? Did their faith get so watered down with society that it wasn't worth sharing? If you are a believer, do you have some stories to tell someone about what the Lord God has done for you? Do your children or grandchildren know your story? I did not know my grandparents very well, but I do remember my grandpa telling two stories. One about how he met his wife and the second about a drought in southern Illinois and how the ladies all decided to bring their umbrellas to church because they believed the Lord would bring rain. And lo and behold, the ladies used their umbrellas as they walked out of church. I remember my dad standing up at church and telling of the time when Caterpillar was on strike and yet the Lord provided for all our needs during that time. And ladies, I can tell you about how the Lord healed our youngest son from childhood epilepsy. It truly was a miracle. If the Lord has done something for you, tell someone what he has done. If you have heard his voice today, don't harden your heart. Instead, let's be women who hear the Lord and obey. Remember, he always has his arms open for anyone who will come to him. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.